China's imminent stimulus bill, the U.S. debt ceiling discussions, and inflation are all significant macro factors impacting the freight and commodities markets. On today's episode, we will be looking at their impact on base metals, iron ore, and fuel oil. All this and more on Freight Up. Hello and welcome to Freight Up. I'm your host, Fernanda, and today we'll be navigating the seas of freight and commodities. On this week's episode, we have a brand new voice for you. Nick McClements, our head of base metals, going to be giving you a market update. A familiar voice that you haven't heard from in a while. James Robinson will be giving you an iron ore update. And of course, you can't forget your favorite fuel oil broker, Archie Smith. Freight up! In the studio with us today is Nick McClements, our head of base metals. One of the first things that I learned about when I joined FIS was the legendary base metals desk, not in any small part because of you, Nick. And the key takeaway I got was that base metals are a huge indicator for global economic health. Can you expound on why that is? I'd say copper in particular is a a good economic barometer. When a economy is doing well and it's it's healthy you have a lot of new homes being built of course with that comes along a lot of copper piping copper wiring has a lots of use in manufacturing you're obviously going to get a lot more jobs the reason during the pandemic that metals prices all exploded a bit higher but on the back end of the pandemic this was is due to supply so obviously supply networks broke down demand was relatively sort of still buoyant and having those bottlenecks in supply created that the spike in pricing. So Bali's been in the news a lot this week. And obviously the relationship between base metals and mining is pretty strong. But I was hoping you could walk me through that a bit. Okay, yeah, there's a few things at play there, I suppose. You've got in base metals, copper, nickel, zinc, lead, even aluminium. They're key for this electrification moving forward. Electrical vehicles, obviously we need wiring for charging. They're all critical materials to move that process forward. With copper in particular, I think we've had for a number of years a real underinvestment in uh, capital expenditure in mining, mining side of things. Lowering ore grades, older mines, those sorts of things feel like they're going in the not too distant future comes to a bit of a head, particularly with the increased demand. Obviously we've had some bigger macroeconomic considerations, such as uh, the debt ceiling, which has kind of been focused across all markets. And that weighed quite heavy on prices recently. We saw some short covering quite recently on the back of the news that China may be looking at a stimulus package aimed at the structure sector, which has buoyed prices quite a bit. I mean, on that note, we were in Hong Kong last month for LMB Asia. Most of the guys we spoke to on shore were relatively bearish base metals. I think they feel that there is a, a quite a glut of material sitting outside of enemy warehouses and consumption on shore isn't quite what it was with the economy slowing down. However, we're kind of speaking to other people on the other side of the market. There's also the inflation story, which is kind of battling against what we're seeing shore in China. We've had huge amounts of spending on the, U- the US side of things. Effectively, when you print a lot of cash, you are devaluing the currency and everything you trade in is trading in dollars. So we would expect at some stage that will have a material impact on pricing. 
So why is your market specifically so active in options trading, do you think? I think the LME market is has been around a long time. So mm. the participants are quite sophisticated as compared to, to newer markets. So you tend to see people uh, utilize their option strategies. It allows them to, for instance, rather than trading outright futures, if you trade an outright futures contracts, you tend to wait for a particular level. So you can be waiting, you can miss opportunities to, to trade. If you have, say, a miner, for instance, they're naturally long material. They can come in, they could sell some upside calls on a particular metal, receive a premium for doing that. And if the price comes off, they collect all of their premium. If the price rallies, then they're happy to sell at the level that their strike is at. So there's money to be made for these guys by hedging using options, and it probably allows them to be a bit more dynamic. So it sounds like those market participants really know how to take advantage of probability or really have a strong understanding of probability. Optionality, I'd say, rather than probability. Ah. Yeah, so it's, it allows them to be probably slightly more, more active and trade on a more regular basis and receive a little bit more rather than having to wait for particular levels. Whereas with the options market, you allow you can still collect premium or if you're a seller. For people who are interested in the base metals market, what should they be looking for in the coming weeks? Good question. I still think if China do decide to go ahead with a stimulus package, that's going to be quite quite a big thing for our market, for, for most markets. But particularly, we, we will notice that we've already seen slight short covering rally over the last couple of days. That's quite an immediate impact. Definitely keep our eyes on that stimulus package. I think going forward, we've had, considering some of the news we've had so far this year, it's been a relatively orderly six months compared to how it could have been with all the sort of macro noise happening around us. But I think there is a slight feeling in the market that the second half, particularly towards the tail end of this year, and into 2024, things might get more interesting, slightly more volatile. My opinion is we might start to see an impact of the inflationary pressures sort of take hold. This is all derived from that vibe check that you had at the LME conference, eh? Also as well, the sort of huge amount of printing we've seen in the US, money printing in the US. So I think that has to have an, a material effect at some stage. And we also have, we have interest rates, which are notably quite high at the moment, which is having a dampening effect. This also affects our market as a lot of people, a lot of physical traders are relying on credit, availability of credit in order to trade. The cost of, of borrowing money is obviously a lot higher now. So margins are also increased owing to the fact that last year we had a sort of severe amount of volatility. I'm sure you're aware of, of what happened in the nickel market. So costs of financing, interest rates, and increased margins are having a slightly prohibitive impact on the ability of people to trade, which is reducing volumes, which we'll see. We're hoping that uh, there may be a slight reduction in margins going forward. I think things have to be um, settled down for a sustained period in order for that to happen. I guess we'll have to have you back then, Nick, huh? <laughs> we shall see, yeah. <laughs> now let's go to James Robinson for an iron ore update. So, James, you've been on the podcast before. Mm. But our listeners haven't heard from you in a little while. So could you please tell them a bit about yourself? Yeah, so I've been on the Iron Ore desk here in London 
for two years now. The desk is split between four countries. Uh, we have a Sing desk, a Shanghai desk, a Dubai desk, and a London desk. I primarily operate out of the London office here in Cannon Street. More importantly, James, who's your football team? I'm sorry to say it is Portsmouth Football Club. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, from, you know, many of you may remember the days of 2008. A bit of a fading memory at this stage. For those of you listening from America, that's like being a fan of the Cowboys. They were great ones. So the big question right up front, how's the market doing? Yeah, so we've seen a pretty volatile few days on iron ore. The market has definitely been more to the buy side. So obviously we saw a very significant sell-off in late May as concerns over Chinese growth prospects and particularly the state of the property market grew increasingly louder. That pulled the front down to a low of $95 per tonne. That is the lowest level seen in the market since October 2020, so obviously a pretty directional shift. For most of the year, we've been trading between 110 and 135, so obviously it's a pretty pretty significant drawback. Then Friday before last, we saw a pretty sharp reversal, rallying $5 on the day through the $100 mark. As rumors circulated the market, the stimulus was pretty imminent. And that sentiment has largely dominated the market ever since. We hit a high this morning of 108.20. And there is some material cause for this. You know, we have seen some hard stimulus announcements, but sort of not the over overarching trend reversing type of announcement that we likely need to see. For example, we don't actually know what's in the stimulus bill. Yeah, I mean, there has been rumors that this is probably going to be pretty targeted towards infrastructure and property amid a couple of other measures elsewhere. But the details of that hasn't become overly clear. The sentiment for the market is effectively, whilst we do see stimulus coming, is it going to be that groundbreaking? Is it going to be trend reversing? And typically when we've been here in the past, That hasn't been the case. There has been some concrete development on the stimulus front. You know, we did see the state ask several major banks in China to cut deposit rates. And whilst we aren't expecting an imminent rate cut from the PBOC at next week's meeting, we are expecting to see interest rates fall over the second half of 2023. Whilst we are looking at stimulus buoying the market in the short term, the fundamental picture is still pretty murky, shall we say. Citigroup came out earlier this week saying it's a very cautious state of affairs because of the underlying fundamental situation within the property market and Chinese global economy is is pretty poor still. So, I mean, at the start of the year, the Chinese government did set a growth target of 5% and that was pretty low, effectively. That was pretty conservative, that estimate. So, we are still expecting them to hit that, but not so much because the Chinese economy has outperformed, but just because it was a pretty conservative target to begin with. Goldman Sachs came out yesterday and trimmed their iron ore forecast from $110 to $90 for the second half of 2023. So yeah, I mean, it's very much a short-term versus long-term picture. We are not going to see a complete reversal in this trend unless it is buoyed by some, some concrete development in the construction sector. And that's in no small part also because of the underwhelming economic data coming out of China. I think we were yeah. more of a rebound, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, China is very export-driven as an economy, and the manufacturing export picture is not looking particularly good. So 
we were expecting to see exports down 1.8%, and it was announced yesterday that they were actually down 7.5%. So that is a pretty significant miss. On the steel side, it can be argued that it's not looking quite so bad because steel exports were actually up, but that was mainly off the back of a pretty poor domestic performance. So there was a there was effectively excess steel that needed to be sold and it couldn't be sold in China. So it got exported. And that's effectively why we saw a bit of a pickup in steel exports. But the overall picture on the manufacturing and export front in combination with the property situation makes for a pretty bearish outlook overall. So this has been fantastic insight, James. For those of us who are going to be keeping an eye on the iron ore market in the coming weeks, what would you advise us to keep an eye on? What's your big takeaway? I would say there's the murmurings of stimulus. You will know when it comes effectively. If we're going to see stimulus that really does have a material impact, it's going to be pretty hard to miss. So, you know, if we see more debt related stimulus coming out, we might see a slight rally over the course of, you know, a week's time, but it's probably not going to be enough to push us up to 130. So, yeah, just keep an eye on the news, keep the big picture in mind. Well, thank you so much for coming on, James. It was really great. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Your Fuel Oil Update with Archie Smith. Hello, Archie. Welcome back. Hello, Fernando. Good to be back. I'm excited for this evening. (laughs) What's going on this evening? West Ham European final. Oh. Yeah. Not an event that comes around very often. Once in a lifetime, really. Oh, I'm so excited for you, Archie. How are you celebrating? Archie does not believe they can do it. (laughs) I looked into his eyes as he said that, and there was absolutely nothing there. (laughs) No, no, I'll be be out in the town tonight. Should we win? And if we lose, I'll go home and cry. All right, Archie, what's going on in the fuel oil market? We had the OPEC meeting on the weekends. Saudi Arabia. It finally happened. It finally happened, yeah. Everyone's been talking about it. Did we get those cryptic texts decoded? In a way, yes, in a way we did. So Saudi Arabia have decided to cut oil production further. Their output will go down from 10 million barrels a day to 9 million barrels a day. But what's kind of unique about this is it's Saudi Arabia kind of doing it as a lone wolf, if you will. When these meetings happen... Yeah, it's not OPEC acting in unison. No. It's just Saudi Arabia. It's just Saudi Arabia. So so normally, you know, when these meetings happen... There'll be cuts across the board. I mean, obviously, some of the small OPEC nations have less output anyway, so their targets will either be raised or shortened with respect to the influence they have. But, you know, in this case, it's just been Saudi Arabia who are stepping up and cutting by a million barrels a day. But the fact that Saudi Arabia have stepped up alone on the output indicates that there is some internal conflict within OPEC. Some countries want to do... Some things, some countries want to do the other things. It's anyone's guess. That being said, kind of Sunday evening slash Monday morning, we saw uh, the Brent crude futures shot up by about a dollar and a half naturally because there'd been a an output cut. Again, this is this is pretty minor. I think we touched like seventy eight fifty dollars around there on the August future, and then since then we've really been coming off. So it seems like the output cuts haven't really done anything in terms of bullish sentiment yeah maybe they've you could argue they've provided some support been more of a supportive move than a bullish move but even this morning we were trading around 75.50 the gains that we saw from the the immediate kind of aftermath of the announcement 
have already been lost. So it really kind of was futile, if you will, or, or definitely more supportive than it was bullish. But I think that's just because there's so many recessionary headwinds going around at the minute that, well, clearly have more influence on the market at the minute. There, there was poor Chinese economic data that came out this morning. Another thing I can link it to is the API data that came out of the US last night. There was a draw in crude barrels, which is normally give support to the market, but a massive build in, in gasoline and distillates. And the consumption of gasoline and distillates is quite a good indicator of US demand, consumer demand. It tends to be the case when we see a build in gasoline in the US, in the stock stockpiles, we're normally seeing lower demand in the US. I think all, all this OPEC cuts and whatever, it's just been bogged down by recessionary headlines and the, and the general macro environment. So a while ago, we touched on the question as to whether or not those G7 sanctions were having an effect on Russian oil. Do we have an update on that? It's looking like in May last month, Russia's oil and gas tax revenues took a 36% hit. And, you know, like you mentioned, that's going to be from a, a mix of not only the sanctions, the price cap, but also another big factor that, you know, that has a part to play in that is that Europe has become so much more independent on its, on its energy sources. Norway have, have really stepped up in the gas and yeah, just all round kind of independent production. And, and we, and you know, we've found, we've found other suppliers getting a lot of stuff from the Gulf, more distillates coming in from the US and by the looks of things, Russia's starting to feel that hurt now. What's going on with the bunkers? The low sulfur cracks have been getting stronger the past couple of days for the SING and the Euro, which has widened those high five spreads. The front month Euro high five spread is valued around 90 bucks at the minute. I've not seen it above 90 or above 89 really for a fair few weeks. So that that's that's getting wider. The same with the SING, almost at 130 bucks in the front. Again, getting wider just from, we're just seeing a lot of strength in the low sulfur fuel oil cracks. But not only this, I think the market's actually seeing a little bit of a pickup in the activity of those high five spreads, especially in the front. Might just be a case of more vessels getting fitted with scrubbers. Could you know, could also be a case of people speculative trading more on those high fives. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the high five market's definitely looking a little bit more active. A few more people poking around there. And we have been widening with mainly with that strength from the low sulfur cracks. We've seen a bit of a rally in the time spreads as well. This morning, we've well, I mean, over the past kind of this week, those front spreads in the sing have rallied about three bucks. They went up further this morning, but then kind of cooled back down to flat on the day. The I know the July August currently trading about eleven quarter per metric ton. But yeah, I mean the, the fuel's been good at the minute, keeping busy. So Archie, what's your big takeaway for the fuel oil market this week? One kind of takeaway for for the bunker traders is definitely keep an eye on those high five spreads, how wide they're getting or how narrow they're getting. We've seen the activity, like like I mentioned before, we've seen the activity in the front of those pick up a fair bit over the past couple of weeks. Obviously, if your vessels are fitted with scrubbers, it's very important differential to be looking at. All right, Archie. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Another fantastic update. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck later. Cheers. We'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. That's it for us this week. Make sure to join us again next week. And in the meantime, for show notes, to leave comments, or to just hang out, make sure to check out our website, FreightUpPodcast.com. That's FreightUpPodcast.com. See you next time. Freight Up!